Have you ever been in an abusive relationship before? Abuse can come in many things, emotional and physical. How long did you stay in that abusive relationship? Tonight we talk about domestic violence and encourage you to not be afraid to leave. You're listening to Clutch by the Real Girlfriends Across America, powered by Building Rome. The content that you're about to hear are the opinions and views of the show hosts and guests and does not represent the views or opinions of Clutch by RGAA or its affiliates and sponsors. By listening to this podcast, you agree not to use any information given as medical advice to treat any medical conditions in either yourself or others. Consult your own physician for any medical issues that you may be having. Our podcast is intended for entertainment purposes only. Welcome to Clutch by RGAA, powered by Building Rome. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Clutch podcast by Real Girlfriends Across America, powered by Building Rome. I am your host tonight, Annie. And I am so excited to be here. Real Girlfriends Across America is a company that has a foundation and mission to help build lifelong friendships with women across the globe. We are broadcasting Sunday through Thursday, 6 p.m. Pacific and 9 p.m. Eastern Time. We always want to hear from you, and please send us your topics. Tonight we have Corinne and Alexis on the line, and we're going to be discussing domestic violence. But because our topic this month has been about fear, I kind of want to talk about the fears that cause us to stay or cause people to stay in in abusive relationships. And and I want to try to counter those fears and and let's give some hope out there. So how are you ladies doing tonight? (laughs) Well, I just spilled an entire Sprite all over my new uh, Dooney and Burke purse. So that's how I'm doing, but I'm glad to be here. So let's (laughs) let's get serious. I'll worry about the, the Sprite stain later. Um, tonight we're going to talk about domestic violence, but like I said, I really want to talk more about, uh, about why, why people don't leave. And, you know, we, we're going to get some different perspectives because people who have been in, in these types of relationships, as opposed to people who haven't could have different opinions or maybe emotions on why people leave or why they don't. Um, so tonight I want to share some stories and some information, um, domestic violence can affect men and women. We all know that uh, 76% of the cases, uh, at least in the United States, the victim is a woman, but that still leaves 24% that it could be a man. Um, this can happen in any type of relationship, but, you know, mostly it would be a romantic relationship, but it can happen in many different types and, you know, uh, parents and children. And, and my personal opinion is that the more that a child or someone sees or experiences this type of abuse, whether they see it or or get it uh, experienced personally, it can really affect their life the rest of the rest of their days, um, and affect how they treat people and how they accept people in their lives. Um, so it's estimated that 10 million people experience domestic violence in the U.S. each year, and if you think about that, 10 million people experience domestic violence in each year, uh, just in the U.S. alone. But I thought it was interesting because New Zealand actually has the highest rate of reported intimate partner violence in the developed world. And this is according to the World Health Organization. So the first thing I want to ask you two ladies is what do you think about that? Like you think about now, of course, like we look at New Zealand, which is, I think, on a smaller scale than the United States. But that means that per capita, 
they have more domestic violence or intimate relation partner violence in the relationship, but still 10 million a year experience violence. I want to hear your personal opinions on that. And uh, how much of that do you guys think is actually reported? Corinne, let's start with you. Um, That definitely sounds like a high number. And like you said, that's 10 million that are, that is reported. Um, So I can only imagine how many people don't report it or how many people um, isn't taken seriously that do report it. Absolutely. And Alexis, what about you, girl? I think that's not an accurate number because I think a lot of people, like there has been studies where if children grow up in a home where it's very volatile and they witness either parent being the victim or the abuser, chances are they would grow up to either be a victim or abuser. However, if that child grew up in a home where they condoned it as normal, right, what are the chances of that child growing up and reporting it if they happen to be a victim? So I think a lot of people are really afraid to really report it. So I don't really think the numbers are accurate. It's right. probably slightly higher than that. Oh, no, I absolutely I agree. You know, the, and the funny part, or not funny, like, ha-ha, but ironic part is, is that, you know, when you look at things, like, there's a 50-50 chance maybe, right? And actually, there might mm-hmm. even be more of a chance that people could lean towards being more abusive, especially when, you know, if they've had any damage done physically as a child from abuse. Um, but emotional abuse can be just as damaging uh, to people when they turn into adults. And there's a chance that they're going to turn and be abusive themselves, or there's a chance that they're going to turn and be a victim themselves. Or, you know, it's kind of crazy. You know, I have I have abuse in my past, and, and I've noticed, you know, I'm 44 now, and I'm just now noticing how I really gravitated towards relationships of people that, that were uh, – were very similar to the to the abuse that I received before, if that makes sense. So I, you know, one of my first uh, my first husband was pretty abusive. Uh, my second husband was actually pretty abusive, um, and it didn't always, you know, present itself that way. But it seemed to me that I looked for these more of I, I guess I have that like I want to save people syndrome. Um, thank God that I went the other way because I couldn't see myself as abusing anybody ever. But I definitely like to pick people in my life who abuse me in one way or another. How do you guys feel about that, Corinne? I mean, um, as like they say that people tend to, I guess, fall into tracks where they choose to pick the same person repeatedly. Um, so I can see how that would um, happen to someone more than once. Um, and maybe them not even, you know, realizing that this is maybe um, – something that they're continuously, like, falling for. Right. Well, and, you know, one of the big things that abusers do is that they, they emotionally abuse you and they try to put you down and, and you know, create this stigma in your in your self-esteem that you're not good enough for anything better. Um, and I know that, that maybe consciously we might not make that choice and we think we want something different, but subconsciously we just look for something familiar, especially when, you know, a lot of us, and we talk about fear, let's talk about fear of being alone because sometimes more, some of us are more afraid of being alone than afraid of being without somebody 
who abuses us and hurts us on a daily basis. How about you, Alexis? What do you got to say about all that? Um, I think there is some truth to we gravitate towards what we're familiar with. And I would never want to make it seem like the blame is on the victim who gravitates towards somebody who is abusive. I think technically abusers, it's all about power with them. And I hate to put it this way, but they know how to pick their victims, if that makes sense. Like, because the people that I know who are abusers and the people who physically hit people, the people who emotionally abuse their partners, every single partner they ever had happened to be a victim. They never had a partner that actually wouldn't put up with it. So, like, in a way, I think they know how to choose their victims, if that makes sense. But I don't want to say, like, they sit there and they study you and then, like, they agree, but they just know how to pick their victims, if that makes sense. No, absolutely it does. You know, it's the same way that uh, I think, like I was saying about subconsciously sometimes, you know, uh, even if they might, you know, I I really do feel that everybody has an innate good in them. And I think that, you know, I've met on a level, you know, when I've been in deep relationships with people who were abusive, Sometimes that abuse was brought on by by drug activity or uh, stressful situations, and that was their you know their response to a stressful situation or to their drug activity or to whatever was going on elsewhere. You know, I was the closest person to him at the time, and I feel like, in my opinion, that that maybe he used me to take that out on him. And it's obviously, I know there's nothing right about that. Like I've gotten so far past that, and and I'm grateful today. Um, but in a way too, like I can see it from a different point of view. We all have, we all have our mistakes and our issues. And I think that, you know, some of us are very blessed that we don't have to deal with certain things in life, you know? Um, but, but if you're ever hurting anybody, that's just wrong. And you need to seek out more help than just trying not to stop. And the person that you're with is not your, you know, it's not your punching bag. And that victim needs to be able to stand up and walk away but it's the hardest thing to do. Uh, you know, any of us who ever have been in a, in a situation like that, especially when we have things like children involved, or if you're, if you're in a certain religion and, you know, you're married and divorce is just, is looked so down upon and frowned upon. There can be so many outside issues that can attack us and make us feel less worthy. Like we're not doing good enough. So, Children, let's talk about the kids. Um, I was in an abusive relationship, and I have children. And and there were situations when my kids saw things that they shouldn't have seen. And and one of my kids was hopefully too young to remember, but my other one isn't. And and I still to this day look back on that, and I try to I try to justify, you know, to make myself feel better because it took me so long to leave. Um, but. But I did, and I finally did, and and now I'm just in the hopes that you know when they get older we can we can talk about it and I can guide them a little bit and maybe that's why I do these type of things like hosting podcasts to share my stories because I want to be able to help people. Um, we all make mistakes, but when it comes to violence and abuse, that is not a mistake that is outright wrong, and and we got to do something about it. And whether it be ourselves or somebody that we love or somebody that we know, 
maybe we need to pay a little more attention or at least lend a helping hand because it is a very scary situation to be in. But the children who witness or are victims of emotional, physical, or sexual abuse are at a higher risk for health problems as adults. You know, not only does it can cause obvious issues as, you know, in, ch- in children like school uh, education issues, mental acuity, um, you know, uh, socialization, um, but it can lead into greater health risks when they turn into adults, including some, I mean, many actual mental health conditions, including depression and anxiety. Um, It can include risk for diabetes, obesity, heart disease, poor self-esteem and other problems and, you know, different issues in this, in this podcast, including, you know, the poor self-esteem and other issues that we can have and, and everything can just lead and snowball into bigger. So, so my big thing is trying to make everyone educated enough to uh, to move forward and try to try to excel in life rather than continue to stay where you're at. So to me, the craziest part is that uh, some of the reasons that victims use for staying are exactly why uh, why they should leave. Uh, for instance, with children, you know, um, because it can cause all of these issues not only for a child in their developmental stages but as an adult. You know, we say that we stay for the children, or someone may say they're say they're staying for the children, but really, all they're doing is is presenting a, a scenario that these kids should not be seeing. Corinne, how do you feel about that? Do you have any personal experiences or people that you've known, or anything you want to say or add to that when children are involved? Um, yeah, um, I feel like sometimes uh, it, it's either sets up an unhealthy environment, obviously an unhealthy environment for the child to either grow up to think that this is normal. Um, so maybe the case that they are, um, you know, tend to grow up to be a victim themselves or they grow up to um, abuse others. Um, I know that my my friend who was in a similar situation, um, her kids came to my house one day and they actually started to tell me what they've been through, but I, I didn't let them continue um, just because, their mother wasn't around, and I just didn't think it was appropriate for them to, even though I had already knew everything, right. I just didn't feel, I, I don't know, it was just, it was a, a right. touchy situation. And once, you know what I mean, them to have to hash that out with me without their mother being there. Um, but they're still, they're still young. Um, this happened maybe about five years ago. Um, actually, not even five years ago, maybe three years ago. And um, they're still in the situation, however, it, they're, uh, that person isn't violent like they used to be, um, at least not physically. Um, and I know that she's looking to get out the situation. But, it, yeah, it's definitely scary when children get involved and then you hear them recant what they, they've been through. Like my heart kind of dropped when they started to tell me. And it's hard, too. It's hard, too, being the person on the other side, you know, because we care about people and we love them and we want to see the best for everybody. At least I hope we do. Um, and when you see somebody suffering like that, like it's really, in a sense, it's none of your business, but in a sense it is. And, and when is that line okay to cross? You know, I'm the type of person that like, I'll probably cross the line and I might lose a friendship over it because I can't, you know, continue to see somebody, you know, just be destroyed and deteriorated in front of my eyes. Um, because I've been through it myself, you know, Alexis, what do you have to add about this? Um, for me, I will say that um, when it involves children, 
parents should protect their children. Like in an ideal world, when you have a child, you should at all costs protect that child, right? Because there are things in the world children should not have to experience or should ever have to see. Take myself, for example, um, my parents, or at least my dad, would get violent whenever um, he was drunk or when my mom wouldn't give him any money. And I have horrible memories of him, let's just say, getting violent with my mom. There are an instance, two instances that I remember very clearly. One time he, this was before my little brother passed, but it was the three of us. And they, whatever reason, they got into a fight. I don't remember what the fight was about. My mom screamed at me to grab my two younger siblings and um, to go into the spare bedroom. And I remember him grabbing a knife from the kitchen and literally chasing my mother around the apartment with it. So my mom's screaming right. for me and my sister and the baby to go into the spare room. I remember getting that spare room and I had locked the door and all of a sudden I can hear him pounding on the door, screaming at me to open the door. And he was literally trying to break into the door. And I remember hearing my mom screaming bloody murder. They were screaming at each other. And in order to escape the situation, I had to throw a chair through the window. So I broke the window so I can climb out. And I climbed out, and, like, my little sister handed me the baby. Then I helped my younger sister out. And the last sight I saw was my dad literally trying to stab my mother. As I literally ran down the back stairs and, like, up the hill to grab my grandma and to go get help. But by the time, like, my grandma and my uncle came back, came down the hill and stuff like that, the neighbors had already called the cops. And he was gone. And the second instance was, once again, they got into a fight, but this time it was only me and my sister because my little brother had passed. And I hid in the closet because that was the first room that I remember them getting violent and he starts smacking my mom around. So I grabbed my sister, I shoved her in the closet and I jumped in the closet with her and I had just shut the closet holding on to the knob and he's screaming on the other side telling me to open the damn door. And when I didn't, he punched a hole right above my head. Right. You know, um, I appreciate you so much. for, For me as a child, I never did understand why my mom kept on allowing him back in the picture. And my mom is no longer here for me to have this conversation. But for me, growing up in that situation, I will never forget that. And, like, it's something that no matter no matter how much therapy you go through, no matter whatever somebody tells you, it's not a figment of my imagination. So for me right. personally, because I grew up in that situation, 
I'm quite the opposite. Thank goodness. I don't tolerate emotional or physical abuse of any kind. I don't put myself in that situation. Seriously, if a guy were ever to lift his hand towards me, it will be the last thing he ever does. Well, you know, I appreciate you sharing your stories with us so much. You know, this that's what this is all about. Um, you know, my my biological mother, um, it's kind of crazy because, you know, the emotional effect that it can have on people, especially when, when we are victims of childhood abuse and my biological mother is, is an alcoholic, and um, I don't speak to her anymore. And it took me a really long time to realize that I am absolutely in no way obligated to this woman, um, you know, because she had me so convinced throughout my upbringing. I was, I was a very popular girl. I played sports. I was the senior class president. You know, everything that looked perfect on the outside, you know. And luckily, because I was popular, the things like when, you know, my mother peed her pants and fell down uh, a hill and got into a bed of slugs in Germany, um, or when she fell over the balcony of the boat for my 12th birthday, or, you know, I have a bunch of other stories I can tell about the embarrassments that she caused me, but there's also the physical abuse because she would drink so much, she would uh, rip clumps of my hair out or hit me or with things or dump things out on my head in public, Um but see, I tried to hide that from everybody that I could. You know, I was a military brat, and my my dad and then my stepfather weren't around a lot because they were always gone on TDY or, or doing what they needed to do to serve our country. And and I um, I took the other end of it of where, you know, I just accepted it. And now, you know, it took me a really long time, like I said, to realize that I don't have to accept that, and I do not have to allow people who treat me that way in my life. Um and even though it's a little bit late in the game, I'm really grateful that I've been able to come to that to terms with that because, no, I do not have to talk to my biological mother. I do not have to. I'm not obligated to live in the same city as her and, and do her bidding. And it's okay to walk away from things like that. And I'm um, because I did get myself involved in some pretty terrible uh, relationships, and I've, I've come to the point of where, you know, if there were police involved, it probably would have been attempted murder and uh, kidnapping charges against the man involved. But unfortunately, for a long time, I felt like I deserved it. And I was I was groomed, you know, having been in an abusive, uh, you know, I don't know how you would say it, but an abusive scenario most of my life, I was groomed to, do, to accept that. And, and so after the break, I want to talk about why don't they just leave? That's the big question, right? For most people, especially who haven't been in the situation before, they say, why don't you just leave? But right now we're going to take a break and we'll be back. Become a patron of Clutch by the Real Girlfriends Across America. By supporting creators you love on Patreon, you're becoming an active participant in their creative process. As a member, you receive exclusive content, community access, behind-the-scenes updates, and the pride of viewing work that matters to you. Joining is easy. Visit patreon.com backslash real girlfriends across America. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com backslash real girlfriends across America. Every donation helps. Clutch by RGAA is powered by Building Rome. Building Rome Inc. is a professional company that provides an array of services to freelancers, creatives, virtual hustlers, and business owners. For more information on hiring Building Rome, log on to the website 
at buildingromeinc.com. Once again, the website is buildingromeinc.com. Do you have a product, brand, or service that you want to advertise on our platform? Well, look no further. Send us an email to realgirlfriends7 at gmail.com. That's realgirlfriends, the number 7, at gmail.com to place your advertisement here. Clutch on to your drinks while we listen to today's trending news story. There is water on the moon's surface, and ice may be widespread in its many shadows, according to a pair of studies published Monday in the journal Nature Astronomy. The research confirms long-standing theories about the existence of lunar water that could someday enable astronauts to live there for an extended period of time. And that's it for today's trending news break. Now, back to you. All right, well, welcome back. Tonight we're talking about domestic violence and uh, the fear to leave and the reasons why someone might not want to leave and then the reasons why they should. But um, we're going to talk now about how this, this stigma out there, the, the things that people think that have not experienced this is why don't they just leave. Uh, Corinne, I want to ask you, what do you think would be some of the big reasons that, that people might have that uh, they don't want to leave? Um, I mean, it could be a number of things. It could be, you know, love. It could be financial reasons. It could be they think the person's going to change. Um, maybe they just don't have anywhere to go. Right. Yes. Okay, Alexis, what about you? Um, I think that for people who aren't in a domestic violence relationship or emotional abusive relationship, they just don't get it because it's quite simple for somebody to tell somebody else, why don't you just leave? Because they don't understand. But here's the thing. I don't want to say the word bond, but there's kind of like this weird tie between an abuser and his or her victim, right? Because usually the person being abused, right, is so in love or so enamored with their abuser. Because if you think about it, I don't think domestic violent or emotional abusers start out being violent. Right, I think they start right. out being normal, and they're quite charming, right? And then right. slowly they start isolating <laughs> their victims, right? They start isolating their victims away from their family, their friends, and all of a sudden the victim is all alone where the only person they have is the abuser. Right? So, like, because of that, there's, like, this weird tie. I'll use the word tie, where it's hard for them to sever because, like you said before, they have a fear of being alone. Or sometimes, what if the abuser holds all the power? What if that person makes all the money, keeps all the money, dictates how the money is spent, 
like dictates what you can spend money on, what you cannot spend money on. So if you leave, you would leave with nothing. So staying sometimes for a victim, staying with an abuser in an abusive relationship is better in their mind than going to a shelter and having to start all over again. Because if you have to start all over again, you're starting from rock bottom. And sometimes these people have been in abusive relationship for so long that they need therapy and stuff like that. So where are they going to go? Other times they may have tried to leave. They have tried to leave, and the abuser ends up finding them and dragging them back. Or the abuser finds out where they're staying and, like, starts causing problems for the people who are trying to help them. So the the abusee ends up going back because they don't want to create Um, problems for the people trying to help them, if that makes sense. Hello? Yeah. Sorry, can you guys hear me now? (laughs) Sorry. Yeah, we can hear you now. Okay, sorry, you know, technical difficulties, but um, I absolutely agree with you. You know, I think sometimes – so many different aspects that can be looked at on this, especially emotionally, because everybody's different, right? There are certain things that pull our, our heartstrings. Some people cry at Hallmark channels and others don't. But when it comes down to it, everything, you know, most people who are human, I mean, granted, there's probably some out there that have some kind of weirdness going on that they don't have those emotions, but our emotions are tied to our actions. And, you know, for me, I've been, I, I mean, I've made some pretty shitty choices in my life, and I never intended, in, you know, to make those choices. And I was in an abusive relationship that was caused by his drug activity. So for the first three years that we were together, it was great. It was fun. It was easy. Never argued. And then he lost his job. And I was actually the big breadwinner at the time, and I mostly am anyways. Uh, And I I don't care about that. Let's not talk about that because women can make the money too. But he lost his job. And then from there, things started to go downhill. And I thought it was because I was working full-time and he wasn't able to find a better job. But come to find out, he had started to cope by using drugs. So, you know, fast forward three years later, after a couple of attempted murders on me, um, the situations that I should not have been in, and all I ever did was try to get out of it. But I felt this obligation, you know, and that obligation that was deep-seated in me from where, how, you know, how and where I grew up. And, and it's a scary thing because that looks different for all of us. You know, there's just, it's, there's people out there that can be manipulative and they can be uh, a little scary. But I, I agree that most people, I think, are, are start out good. And I think that, you know, we have that opportunity and we got to do what we can to be better. So researchers have actually studied the reasons, and, you know, specifically to women because it is the higher percentage. I am not by any means discounting men that are abused because I've seen that in my own life happen, not by me, of course. So researchers have uh, studied the reasons why women in particular do not leave, and we did, we did cover a lot of those. Uh, they include financial need, like maybe, and this is part of the abuse, is that uh, the abuser will put the person in a situation where they have no financial way to get out. They're not working. They uh, have no savings. Uh, they control, you know, they control what they wear, what they eat. They may not even have a vehicle. So, you know, not having anywhere to go. And most people have family or friends, but at this point, when you're at this point, usually your family and friends have been put off by all of the activities, you know, because I remember 
the the many times that on holidays that uh, when I'd go over to my family's house when I was allowed to, and it would only be an hour I was allowed to stay, and then the phone would start, you know, my phone would start ringing, my text messages would start coming in, and I'd start getting stressed out. So, you know, I've come a long way since then, but I think that everybody needs to recognize a little bit more and, and take a look at those red flags because we can get out of it, and you don't deserve to be that way. So another uh, lack of a place to go, we talked about that. Let's see here, lack of help from law enforcement. This is a big one. So a lot of times, I mean, I know that in some states, if a domestic violence call, you know, is called in, there has to be an arrest. I know for a fact that that was the case in Colorado, which of course can always be turned in any way, depending on the situation. But I want to know if you guys, what do you guys think about the lack of help from law enforcement? Do you know of any stories or any situations or what do you feel about how, you know, people say that women or somebody cries wolf, but they don't. Alexis, you go first. See, in all honesty, I'm just going to be really 100% honest. I think that a lot of times abusees protect their abusers, right? So unless a police officer happens to be standing there outside your window and see somebody beat the crap out of you, by the time the ruckus and the screaming, somebody calls the cops. By the time the cops get there, if there's nobody willing to press charges, there's not much the cops can do. Because, yes, the cops can technically arrest. They can arrest on site. But if there is nobody willing to step forward and say, yes, this person did this to me, what are they supposed to do? Like, DA can't press charges without a witness willing to corroborate the story. So unless somebody is willing to step forward and say, yes, I witnessed this man beat the crap out of this man or this woman, or yes, I saw this woman did this to somebody else, there's not much that they can do. They can arrest and like, you know, or at least they can tell you to leave the house or something like that. But most victims, they they protect their abusers because think about it. How many times did my parents get into violent fights? How many times did my father conveniently disappear before the the cops were able to get there. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um God girl, I mean I feel you. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, every every situation is different and we're hit in a different way, but um we all have experiences that have affected us when it comes to this topic. Um some of us more than others, but but the fact is is like I feel like us sharing these stories is is important because there's women out there or men out there that need to understand that, you know, I've been in that position. <laughs> I've been there. I've been to the point where I honestly thought I was going to die on more than one occasion. Um, and by the grace of God, I'm still here. And by the grace of God, I'm here and I'm single and I live alone and I pay all my bills and I have dogs that protect me and I have myself to protect me, you know. Um, I, and I think for me, my opinion is that it has a lot to do with self-esteem and, and where we've allowed people to put us in our lives. Corinne, what do you think, honey? Um, yeah, I don't have any, like, a personal experience, but I think, like Alexa said, um, just because, like, you know, a lot of people will drop the charges, and I know nowadays, like, if the police comes to your house and you have marks, they will arrest the other person, but if those charges stick, that's another thing. Um, I know there's incidents where you can get a restraining order, but um, sometimes, you know, they're 
it's hard to get a restraining order or, you know, the restraining order will only last so long. And sometimes people don't, you know, care about a restraining order. They will violate, you know, the restraining order to, if they really want to get to you or if that other person has a, you know, chain of heart. See, in a way, I really, I hate to say this, but has anybody had the experience that restraining orders really do not work, not unless you have a cop outside your house 24-7? Yeah, yeah but restraining I, I, you know, order, it's my a restraining opinion, my order opinion. is issued. Yeah, and in, in, in my a restraining opinion, order legally, but how good is legally when they're they're in a hot mess and they're coming after you? Because usually they're not in a hot mess coming after you unless they're, you know, in a high uh, emotional state or something has gone wrong or you're trying to leave them. Obviously, you know that's one of the things that they were saying uh, when I was researching this is that obviously one of the greatest dangers is when a victim is trying to leave an abuser. And so, you know, a restraining order can help for that and if they're afraid of the law, you know what I mean? You're lucky if maybe they're a felon and they have a history and they don't want to have to mess with the cops. But when it comes down to it, really, you know, you got to be able to protect yourself, you know. And if that means that you got to move and if that means you got to enlist some help from your friends and family, then do it. And if your friends and family aren't helping you, then find someone else to help you. Can I say something? So, yeah, of course. The reason why I say restraining orders are one of those things that I feel at times really does not help is because when somebody issues a restraining order, you have to tell the person who is being given the restraining order where they they can't go. So, for example, let's say if I filed a restraining order, right, I – I have to hand over my address where I work and such like that. So the person who I am trying to avoid or trying to have restrained for me knows they're not allowed to go there. That's not going to protect you. So a lot of victims, believe it or not, like I have heard of cases where a lot of victims leave state and they just don't, they just don't report where they are because it's kind of like a joke. We're saying if I leave, I have to inform you where I'm going. So he knows he's not allowed to cross state lines because think about it this way. A lot of people, an abuser, wants to go after his victim. Do you really think a piece of paper is really going to do anything? Oh, no, sometimes it won't. That's what I mean. Like, when the emotional state is super high, like, how are you going to say that that's going to stop anybody from doing anything that they're, you know, that they're aiming for, especially when it comes to that kind of emotion? So the next thing is family and social role expectations may create pressure for the victim to remain. So we're talking about maybe you know, your whole family, nobody's ever been divorced or it's a stigma because you're Catholic or something like that. Like, I want to know what you ladies feel about if there's some kind of social or family pressure that keeps you from leaving a situation, what do you think you should do? Um, in, all, in all honesty, I believe that people have faith. Because in some religion, it says if you get married, you're married forever, and you're not supposed to get a divorce. But I beg to differ a little bit on that. Like, I'm not going to tell anybody not to believe the word of whatever religion they choose to believe, and everyone is free to believe and have faith as they wish. But here's my question to people or to myself. 
because if my religion teaches me to be faithful to my husband and to stay married to my husband and stuff like that, my husband is supposed to protect me and is supposed to provide for me. But what kind of deity would want me to stay in a relationship where my husband beats the crap out of me and or my children? That does not make sense to me, right? Why should why would I die? Well, you girls, don't even Why? get me started on the philosophical aspects of, of organized religion because I'm not a fan. And uh, I grew up Catholic, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? See, that's, that's what I meant. That's what I'm saying. That's why I, I'm trying to be careful what I say because there are people out there who really believe in their chosen deity and their chosen religion, right. and they believe the word of the religion. But on the other hand, the same thing can be said as a family member. Let me be the first one to say, God forbid, if I had a family member that was in an abusive relationship and they needed my help to, my help to spoil them away, I would be the first one to drive the getaway car. Right? And I still would not tell, I wouldn't tell anybody where they went because, like, you know, as a family member, you stick by family. And in your family, if somebody's going to turn the other cheek, and not help you when you need help the most, is that really a family member you want in your corner? No, absolutely, girl. You know, I've always been a firm believer in the fact blood is not always thicker than water. Um, and, you know, I think it's amazing for people out there who have families that are like that and supportive and bad there to back them up. But, you know, part of my family is, part of my family isn't, you know. So I've had to deal with it in both ways, you know. But, uh, but I think that uh, I want to hear – what Corinne has to say about this. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's easy for people on the outside to judge and say, you know, I don't understand why you don't leave. I just don't understand why you don't do this, that, and the third. Um, And, yeah, when you're in a situation, I guess it is a a lot different. Um, I've never personally been in that situation, so I can't really – I mean, I could say what I would do, but obviously, you know, having not been in that situation, I'm sure that people can criticize me for, you know, saying what, you know, what I would take and what I won't take since I've never, like I said, been in in those people's shoes. Um, so I think it's just important for us not to judge people and for people to, even if it's not your family, I guess find um, finding a support group or, or just make sure whatever you do just to be safe about it. No, see, I think that's great, though, because, you know, you're blessed in that you haven't had to, you know, be in a situation like that. I'm so glad that you haven't, you know, but you do know people who have, you know, so it's a good perspective to have from somebody who has had somebody they cared about or loved that it was in a situation that they didn't know what to do about, you know. Um, Right. So it can be highly emotional, you know. Corinne, do you want to share anything about, you know, that situation with your friend? I mean, um, she basically, I guess, was uh, stricken by the person that she's currently with still um, a few times. And, you know, she more or less got a warning from his uh, first, well, she's not, she doesn't have any children with him. Her children are with other people. But um, she got a, a warning by his, um, the mother of his children. And basically saying the reason why he has the mark on his face is because he, you know, attacked her and she wanted to stab him so he can get off of her. 
Um, but she told her a completely different story, so she never even thought about it or believed the girl until he went to uh, strike her. Um, now, I mean, they're in a good place in terms of he hasn't, you know, been physical with her um, in a, about a year, to my knowledge, at least. Um, but, you know, he's still, you know, they still argue. Um, but, I mean, I, I guess now she's in a, a better place with him, so I can only, you know, just hope that she's able to leave um, when she's able to leave at this moment. It's more or less a money issue with her. Yeah, it's so sad, too, that finances come down to be the, the, the big thing, you know what I mean? Uh, I got to a point, you guys all, I mean, I've told you before, you know, last year, because of me falling and breaking my back and then my ex doing uh, illegal, illicit drugs for a very long time and almost killing me, I ended up homeless, and, and you know, I was trying to crawl my way back, but he knew where I was, and he was there the whole time. He was obsessing, he was there, and it was it was terrifying, and I literally, like, let me tell you, so I called a woman's shelter um, and I never thought that I'd be a person that would do that. Even like with all the shit that I've been through in my life, I never thought that I would be a person to do that. And well, that was one of the hardest phone calls I've ever made. To be honest, I wasn't even sure that I wanted to do it because I was afraid. Uh, I didn't know that if I was going to be judged, I was worried about getting him in trouble because even though he deserved to be in trouble, I didn't want him to go to prison, uh, you know, it was all these emotions and things running through my head. And then when you're talking to them, there's all these rules and guidelines and it's very scary. And I'm, and, you know, I didn't end up going that route, but uh, luckily I was already working. So I was able to get myself out of it, but not everybody is, you know, and it's a very terrifying situation to be in because where do you go? What do you do and who do you turn to, you know? And I think the biggest thing would be to try and turn to the closest person to you and reach out because I doubt anybody would want to turn you away if you're being honest about it, you know? I think most of the time it's easier for us as friends. If if they continue to tell us it's okay and it's none of our business, we're going to say, okay, it's okay, and it isn't any of our business. But how long do we stick around and wait to see the results of that, right? So another thing is is that a lot of people will attribute it to thinking that it's just a phase. Um, you know, you have that happy fairy tale beginning. And then all of a sudden something happens and there's a trigger or life gets hard because it does. And they start to be abusive emotionally or physically, or it just starts out emotionally first. So some people believe that it's just a phase. And, and unfortunately though, for the most part, it seems not to be. Other way or another reason is that women or a man may believe that they can, uh, they can behave enough or they can be good enough to prevent the abuse so they can fix the person. And let me tell you from personal experience that that is not going to happen. Another one is it's called separation anxiety, being afraid to be alone. And then the last one I wanted to mention was uh, some believe that they will fall victim to a greater abuse than they are already in. So their level of self-worth is so bad that they think that it's probably worse out there. I should just stick around because it's got to be worse. Alexis, what do you got to say about that? Um, I was just sending you a message. Uh, Alexis had to to go. Um, but um, I'm sorry, can you repeat one more time? I was sending you a message. Oh, yeah, no, 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 it's okay. I was saying that some of the other reasons that I wanted to list include some may believe that it's just a phase and that it all, and, you know, and then it becomes too late that they're going to change or it's just, you know, because life is hard, but life is always hard. 
the person believes they can behave or act accordingly to prevent the abuse. And then the last one was that some believe that they will fall victim and greater abuse they leave. So those are the last of the list. So I want to hear what you got to say about that before I, you know, we wrap up for the next. Um, I, I think, yeah, it, it is hard, I think, for people to leave, especially if they feel like, unless we mentioned before, like a sense of attachment to that person. Um, and, and that could probably, you know, be a lot of it um, in relation to also um, them not having, you know, the funds, the resources to, to get out and leave, and maybe sometimes not having the strength to leave. Um, I know with my friend, I offered her, um, at the time, we actually were living close to each other, um, so I offered her the option to move in with me with her uh, two children. I had a spare bedroom at the time, um, so she could have easily just moved in for that, uh, to their own. But, I mean, I, she came over maybe like a couple times just whenever, I guess, the arguments got heated, but she never took me up on the offer. She even left the state and went to live with somebody else and wound up coming back. So, um, and then I moved away, so that wasn't even an option anymore. Um, but I, I think with people, they have to leave on their own accord when they're done. Um, and when they feel like they had enough, unfortunately, you can, like, push someone, and I encourage her all the time, and, you know, to leave and, you know, opened up my home to her. But, you know, she had to, or she has to make her own decision when she's ready. And the only thing I can do is really respect it. No, absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. I, uh, I literally, um, you know, it, it hits home for me in more ways than one because I've seen abuse, I've, I've experienced abuse, and I actually belong to a group now um, on Facebook called Nicole's Army, and there's a lot of people out there, you know, and I feel like if you can start something and you can engage in something, you could do something about it, it's always good. Like, you know, a movement. There's nothing wrong with a movement, right? Uh, so this is called Nicole's Army, and it's, it's a group that I personally belong to of over 3,500 members on Facebook. Uh, Nicole Stevenson was 33 years old, and she was murdered um, by her significant other after many domestic violence uh, abuse reports uh, just last January. And uh, Nicole's Army is what it's called, hashtag Nicole's Army, if you guys are interested. Um, but I wanted to read this little excerpt about Nicole and her trial, and it, it specifically was an article that was written in a newspaper about the Facebook group Nicole's Army. So a Facebook group called Nicole's Army became the main venue for Stevenson's family and friends to join forces to fight her justice and for domestic violence awareness, uniting now over 3,500 members, many of whom do, didn't even know the victim, but also wanted to bring awareness to the issue. They say they want police to do more for victims. They want more services for domestic violence and systematic reform to help save the lives of others. After, after Stevenson's death, a highly attended series of vigils and protests sponsored by this group were held in Pueblo, Colorado, by supporters who say her death could have been prevented and that the system failed to protect her. They continue to say they won't stop fighting for her justice. Stevenson's friends say the family and system enabled her death and that it won't be in vain as they won't stop calling for reform in her memory. A handful of Pueblo police officers attended one large vigil at Bessemer Park in Pueblo, saying they were in agreement that more has to be done about the issue of domestic violence. However, that oftentimes victims don't receive the help they need and sometimes are in denial or so much fear of leaving the bad situation that police have a hard time resolving the situation at all. Amidst the controversy, police admitted that Turner indeed had a history of domestic violence, incidents of involving Stevenson, and by the way, Turner is the man who murdered, uh, murdered Nicole Stevenson, 
he had assault, kidnapping, false imprisonment, but a spokesperson said that the police did not arrest him multiple times, just, uh, and that, but when they did, he was just released on bond. Friends and family point towards Turner's final bailout of $200,000 cash from his family, so he was bailed out at the final time before she was murdered for $200,000. Local prominent business owners, not long after he was already violent with her and during a time she was expressing fear to her friends, coworkers, and police, but the district attorney told the mainstream media during heat of the controversy related to the case that he thought the bond would be set and the, that it was too high that a normal person wouldn't be able to be released from jail. Well, his family produced that money, and she ended up dead. So if you guys need help, if you know anybody who needs help, the National Domestic Violence Hotline is 1-800-799-7233. That's 1-800-799-7233. You can go to www.thehotline.org. That's T-H-E-H-O-T-L-I-N-E, www.thehotline.org. You can also go in, in Colorado because that is where Nicole was from. Um, Violence Free Colorado at one eight 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 seven seven zero nine one. There, you know, reach out for help and try to get out of it if you can. I know how hard it is, but you're going to be so much better off because you'll be alive. Corinne, girl, do you have anything to add before we end for the night? No, and, and thank you for sharing that number. We'll make sure that we have that in our um, show notes as well so people can um, get that number as well. Thank you, Corinne. All right, well, I appreciate everybody joining us tonight, and uh, we don't always get to talk about the fun issues, but we're definitely always going to talk about how we can help each other and be better. So thank you guys for calling in, Alexis. Sorry, we lost, we lost you on the call, but uh, I can't wait until next time. I'll be back next Tuesday. Tomorrow we're going to have another great topic, so make sure you join us at 6 p.m. Pacific and 9 p.m. Eastern. As always, have a peaceful and prosperous night. Thank you for listening to yet another episode of Clutch, a podcast by Real Girlfriends Across America. Clutch onto us tight by following us on all of our social media platforms. This includes... Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and Facebook. Like, share, and follow us. Did you miss the episode? Don't worry. You can listen to us anywhere where podcasts are being played, including Apple Podcasts, Google, Anchor, Spotify, and Speaker. Don't forget to watch us on YouTube by searching for Real Girlfriends Across America and visit our website at www.realgirlfriends.org. And until next time, clutch on to your best friend, And stay tuned.